you know, there was change, but it was much more measured, mm-hmm. sequential. Now, as you described, the last three, four years have just been this intensifying whirlwind, and the demands placed on leaders have changed so dramatically and increased. Welcome to the Inspire Podcast, where we examine what it takes to intentionally inspire. I'm your host, Bart Egnall, President and CEO of The Humphrey Group. And if you've ever asked yourself, how can you develop an authentic leadership presence? Or how can you tell stories that have people hanging off every word? Well, then this podcast is for you. And it's not just for executives. This is a podcast for anyone who wants to influence and inspire others in their work, but also in their life. Welcome back to the Inspire Podcast. My guest today is Margot Gooley, and for those of you who may have listened to all of season one, you'll know that Margot was on talking about the power of storytelling. She is a PhD in English. She has been with us for six years. Uh, She is a director of program development, and she, along with Amara Hunt in Vancouver, have been responsible for helping the company advance how it thinks about inspirational leadership, the programs it offers, and even ways that we offer them through Uh, increasingly digital channels. I have her on the podcast today to talk about how inspirational leadership and communication have changed over 20 years. She actually interviews me a bit and how the company is evolving to keep in step with that. So I hope you enjoy my conversation with Margot Gooley. Margot, welcome back to the Inspire podcast. Thanks, Bart. Thanks for having me a second time. I thought it was wise to have you back because you are one of our two directors of program development at the Humphrey Group. And in that role for the last year or two, you've not only developed new offerings for us, like our storytelling program that we had you on to talk about a year ago, but you've really helped us reimagine what it means to inspire. And with that, to rethink the broader set of skills that we at the Humphrey Group should be in the business of helping our clients develop to help them communicate to inspire. So I want to have you back to talk about that. Well, happy to be here and always happy to talk about leadership communication and the way we develop our programs. Yeah, and it's interesting that before we go to the present, you were, you were saying when we sat down to plan this conversation that the world of the Humphrey Group has changed a lot in what you heard we used to be and what we are today. And and yeah, maybe you could share a bit of insight with that because I think where we are today is a product of where we were. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, when I joined the Humphrey Group six years ago, I remember seeing some old marketing materials and learning about the history of the program as a speech writing firm. Mm -hmm. Um, And I remember seeing Judith (laughs) advertising the firm as a speech writing firm and the focus on working one-on-one with individuals to develop that kind of formal communication was something that I never experienced as an employee of the Humphrey Group, as an instructor or as someone developing programs. How many speeches have you written? Oh my gosh, I, I've written well over 100 speeches in my career, some as long as you know, 30-minute formal addresses down to ones, oh, I just wrote one last week, so it's still happening, but they're, they're few and far between now. 
what happened in that interim period between we were only writing speeches, really, or very formal communication prep when Judas started the company, to today when you're the only one who really writes speeches for anyone and they're few and far between? Yeah. What, what happened in the middle there? Well, a lot, a lot has happened. And let me just start by saying, uh, be grateful you didn't join the speech writing era. It was, uh, it was a brutally hard profession. I have huge respect for Judith, who, as many listening know, was my mother. Mm -hmm. She started her career as a speech writer, worked in large banks, wrote for you know, executives, and saw a niche to help them prepare speeches and also to coach them in delivering those speeches. And that was the fusion of her speech writing background and the acting world, who, the actors who brought presence. And so when I joined 20 years ago, it was, you know, it was probably half of our business, half of our revenues when I joined was the speech. So who were you writing for? Um, was it mostly, it sounds like it was senior executives. Was that true across the board? Yes, it was. I would say virtually all of my speech writing clients were in the C-suite or, or close to it. I ask that because we still work with executives and C-suite leaders, certainly, but in my time at the Humphrey Group, I've seen a real democratization of training and this idea that we all need to be engaged in lifelong learning, that you know, leadership at every level is crucial to success in organizations. Now, not everyone at every level of an organization is giving a formal speech at a town hall. So that could be one reason for the decline in speech writing. What other reasons do you see for this shift into the kind of communication that we help with? One is that the access to communication has become enabled by technology. It used to be if you wanted to hear from the leadership of your company, you basically had to attend a town hall or tune into a conference call. Today, you can still attend a town hall or tune into a conference call, or you can follow your CEO on Twitter. Mm -hmm. You can uh, listen to him or her speak on a webinar. You can listen to them come on my podcast, as many have. And so... The speech has, with each of those additional channels, the speech has been diminished uh, as the channel to go to. And is there a specific point in time you can put your finger on when you look back where that really changed or any event that really changed it? Like, was it the rise of email? Is it this like digital transformation that has really accelerated this? Uh, there are multiple points. It, it hasn't been one inflection point, but rather a series of gates almost that we've passed through, each of which leaves the speech further in the, in the rear view. You know, the first is really the rise of email. Suddenly you have an ability to communicate on a regular basis with your entire staff. I know one of our clients, Maple Leaf Foods, you know, their CEO was known for writing an email to the whole company once a week. Wow. How valuable is a speech when you can hear in a much more informal way from your client, from your CEO every week? I'd say a second came with the rise of social media apps. You know, things like Twitter, LinkedIn, give unfeathered access in the much more real time that really also allowed us for greater uh, insights into who that person was and makes the formality of a speech seem less real. And I'd say finally, what I'm seeing in the last year or two is this what I call digital transformation, where driven by the mobile device, where it's not just that you can go to your desk and get the email on Monday morning from your CEO, but it's that in your device, every minute of your day, you have access to the leadership of your company. Mm -hmm. 
And, and so that's, it's been these series of progressive changes that have led to the, uh, the death of formality. So then, do you think the speech is dead? For all but a few, it is. I mean, for, there are some, there are a few areas remaining where there's a formality required, where the precision of the words, like investor relations, befits, you know, intense preparation uh, and real clarity. But, you know, even in, even in say, some of the grandest, like, uh, political arenas, like states of the union, we're seeing politicians move away from the scripted speech, Some sometimes even to the point where they'll say, I'm going to go off script. <laughs> <laughs> you like it when I go off script. <laughs> so I, I'd say the speech is, uh, if not if not dead, certainly on the operating table. What has come to the fore to replace it, in your opinion? Well, I think, you know, even before we look at what's come to the fore, I think we have to look at who's come to the fore. Mm. You know, in the, in the time when the speech was alive and well, the speech was really an expression of the fact that very few people were given the right to speak. And the speech was really a sense of we as an organization will choose who takes the podium we will baptize them as the messengers of the corporation or the organization, and we will spend the money and time and energy to bring people to them. Right. It's so different than what we say now, which is anybody can right. lead whenever you share your belief, you're leading. It's Right. And you have the ability to reach people because you no longer require a gatekeeper to bless you and validate you. Conversely, if you are not deemed to be a, you know, a, a messenger worth hearing, you can be ignored. Uh, or people can listen to those they would like to have. So I think back to the who, it's no longer just the CEO. There is a hunger to hear from leaders at all levels. Some of the best ideas and thinking come from the margins now. And I think that's also reflected in our thirst for a more diverse population of leaders, diverse in all aspects of thinking, ethnic, gender, background, orientation, and we're saying we don't want to just see these kind of same people in power. Uh, and, and for the first time in recent years, we no longer have to. <laughs> so that's very exciting. It's very exciting to have all these other voices come to the fore. But it also creates tremendous uh, pressure within organizations because now you have so many people vying for the microphone, <laughs> vying to be heard, wondering how to align what their thinking is with the organization wondering how to develop these skills that before might have been carefully cultivated over decades, and now they find themselves thrust into the spotlight. And uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's both very exciting and uh, I know creates a lot of apprehension within organizations. So as all of these changes are happening and who is speaking is changing, how they're speaking to their followers is changing, how did the Humphrey Group keep step with that. Um, take me from your writing speeches, you're doing the executive interviews to today. When we're doing a podcast. Right. Yeah. Well, first I'd say if you're listening to this podcast, you're interacting with us in a way that you wouldn't have 20 years ago. In fact, it's almost certain that you wouldn't have worked with us <laughs> if you're listening to this, unless you were a CEO. And so how's the Humphrey Group evolved? We've, who we serve has evolved. We've evolved to serve this broader population of leaders. And some are leaders who don't even manage people. <laughs> So that's been the big shift. The other thing that's, that's evolved is the skills that we're teaching have broadened. The speech is dead, right? But your ability to 
influence, your ability to inspire in a meeting, in a presentation, in a conversation, through stories, through email. These are We've developed entire new offerings that teach these skills. And that's part of why we've grown. I mean, when I joined, it was me, my mother, and a few actors. And today, we're a collection of over 50 people across the world, North America, Latin America, developing these skills across cultures. And we found that though the situations vary, they resonate globally. So the business has really evolved towards that goal of helping our clients inspire in whatever they do and whoever they want to reach. And I think that's where you joined, right? You came along six years ago and we had we had begun that evolution. But we were still really focused, I'd say, when you came on teaching this skill of how to persuade, how the, it wasn't in a speech, might be in a presentation, it might be in a conversation, but we taught people how to be inspirational in their persuasive skills. Yeah, and that was one of the things that attracted me to the Humphrey Group. But it was also around the very same time that people started to really talk about disruption and what that meant for leaders. People started to talk about the importance of innovation to keep up with that. And digital transformation was really starting to happen at the breakneck speed that it's happening at now. Persuasion was not the only skill that people were talking about. So when I joined and I started to do my research and my learning about the world of leadership development, I was noticing other themes besides the need to influence that were coming up. Yeah, I've definitely seen that too. And, you know, terms like authenticity, you know, when I started working, I never heard people talk about authenticity and leadership. Mm -hmm. I never heard people talk about, you know, skills of the future. I never heard people talk about leaders have to be able to manage through volatility. Like, I mean, disruption, like none of this stuff existed. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, there was change, but it was much more measured, Mm -hmm. sequential. Now, as you described, the last three, four years have just been this intensifying whirlwind and the demands placed on leaders have changed so dramatically and increased. So I definitely have seen that too. Yeah, I mean, I think the number one thing that we hear in consultation with our clients, whether it's in the classroom when we're actually working with them or when we're designing programs with them, is that these skills need to be learned and applied so quickly. Mm -hmm. How can we do it faster? How can we drive that change to a greater degree in a shorter amount of time? Um, How can you take what you did in two days and condense it down to an hour, (laughs) the the pithiest hour that you can possibly provide us with? And that, that urgency and the need for change and the need to adapt so quickly is a huge driving force, I think, behind the reimagining of leadership beyond just driving a specific action. Right. And as we've seen that reimagining of leadership in the popular business world and world of work, you know, that really you know, set us on the path at the Humphrey Group to reimagine for the first time what does leadership communication look like today and what does it need to look like and what role do we play in it? And I think that's, that's been some of the most exciting uh, work that I think we've done internally. And you and Amara, who's also been Amara Hunt, who's also been on this podcast, our other director of program development, you know, just over a year ago, led us down this journey as a management team to talking about what that looks like. And and um, you know, I think we've reached some really interesting and relevant conclusions for anyone listening who's thinking, all right, what does it mean to inspire? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, how would you summarize where we landed and what it means for people who want to build their ability to lead through communication? Well, the first really important 
decision we made was to continue to focus specifically on leadership communication mm -hmm. because we talked about the way that leadership and communication intersect and how philosophical or tactical our focus should be. And we decided that there really is no facet of leadership that doesn't require excellent communication. Mm -hmm. And so that niche of focusing on leading through communication was really not only still valid, but more important than ever that we right. fill, fill the huge need that we saw for people to learn how to use communication to lead in the way that they need to in 2020. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, that's always been our mantra is that we sit at that intersection point. And so I think it was really powerful to say, yeah, this still matters. Yeah. And, it, <laughs> and, and also matters. that we'd stay true to it, you know, that we're mm -hmm. not going to go beyond it mm -hmm. <laughs> as a company. And yeah, we're going to really bring into our niche things that we hadn't pulled in before, right. rather than broadening our niche outward to include other things. Right. We thought, hey, we see things out there that should be in here right. inside our niche. Yeah, and I think this podcast is part of that. I mean, you know, I'd started this about the time we went through that journey. And one of the neat things about it is like, I'm, I'm not just talking about what we do. I'm learning about so much. And I hope people listening are learning so much about what it means to inspire mm -hmm. in, in ways that are often not uh, directly things that we've thought about. Like I think about, you know, client Jim Montesano, who I know you know from Lixel, is chief people officer there, talking about purpose mm -hmm. and how they use purpose to knit a company together or, you know, the power of vision. I mean, it's, it's from Robin Sylvester at the Port of Vancouver. Like people are thinking about this in many different ways. And I think that led us to broaden, as you said, within their niche. Yeah, and it, it led us to look outward and say, all right, what do people expect the main capabilities to be that leaders will need. And if you read anything about leadership development or anything, you know, put out by the World Economic Forum or the big professional services firms like Deloitte and McKinsey, you know that there are recurring themes. We need to be excellent at innovation. We need to know how to create new value. We need to be able to keep up with the pace of change. Um, and that requires the ability to collaborate and create ecosystems of knowledge. And you know, you hear right, these buzzwords right. across. And they keep coming up. And they keep coming up. So these are real needs that people see in their organizations. Mm -hmm. And we're not sure how to develop those capabilities. So we really thought, all right, what role does communication play in developing these capabilities? If you're talking about developing empathy, for example, what role does communication play in that? If you're talking about being excellent at innovation and collaboration to innovate, what role does communication play in that? And neither of those examples is about persuading people. Right. It's not about having a message that's so good that people will just act in the way that you want them to. There's a whole other set of skills you need if you want to be good um, at building connections with mm -hmm. people, if you want to be really good at creating new value through collaboration or um, really being innovative and leading the market. Mm -hmm. There's a whole other set of communication skills that are necessary. Right. Yeah. And, and I think also even when we thought about what kind of leadership are people looking for? You know, we see when we talk about this idea of people want to know who their leaders are, they want to know, uh, you know, the authentic views. They want people whose values are clear. They don't just want the corporate messages anymore and the corporate strategy because they can cut through it, right, and talk to someone who feels real to them. Mm -hmm. 
And so we, I think, you know, that came out too in our discussions that we had to enable people to know themselves and, and you know, start from there. Yeah, that, and that boils down to the idea of engagement, I think. And with the war for talent being as intense as it is, you're right, it isn't enough to deliver a corporate message or to expect to be able to engage people with generic right. communication. Uh, people do expect to be genuinely engaged by an authentic purpose and for their leaders to live and breathe that purpose right. in the way they communicate. And they'll call BS if they don't think it's there. I mean, I think that's one of the most interesting things now is that with social media, you'll see people who will say one thing as a leader and then they're, they're outed yeah. if they're not, you know, yeah. or you look at things uh, like equity, you know, uh, where if they say make one commitment, you can be called on the carpet if you're not living that commitment. Yeah. And, and so I think the th um, threshold for bullshit has plummeted. Absolutely. And that's immense pressure on leaders mm -hmm. to know themselves really well, to be able to communicate that sense of self to people in a genuine way. And then yes, to be able to influence and persuade and inspire people to act so that they can get work done through their teams as all leaders have to do. But it's those first couple of steps of really knowing yourself and being able to bring that forward to people in a way that feels genuine and compelling mm -hmm. that it's, it's really raised the bar um, in terms of what we expect from leaders, and I think it puts immense pressure on them. Yes, maybe you can highlight, you know, what we, when we talk about our definition of what it means to lead through communication and then the, the kind of broad skill sets that we think we can help develop mm -hmm, and yeah. that, that anyone listening should think about developing. So we determined that our niche was not only where we wanted to continue playing, but that it was really more relevant than ever. Uh, that the need for great leadership communication is only more pressing given all the circumstances that we've just been talking about. But all we had within that niche really was a set of excellent tools for being a good persuader, um, for influencing and inspiring. And, you know, we really did think of those two words when I arrived at the Humphrey Group, as synonyms, influence and inspiring, we use them interchangeably. Mm -hmm. To influence is to inspire and to inspire is to influence. But when we started this work of really looking at what do we want to bring into our niche, we started to say, well, influencing is one thing. Influencing is incredibly important for leaders. But inspiring is bigger than that. It's bigger than just influencing. It can hold other ideas too. It can hold the need to reflect and really develop self-awareness and emotional intelligence. You absolutely need that before you can inspire. It can also hold this idea of um, connection. You need to be able to build relationships with people and really develop those genuine connections before you can start to influence or persuade. So the definition of inspiration we were working with really started to broaden when we thought about what it really means to inspire people. Mm -hmm. And then you alluded to it, we settled on what we call three streams. Yeah, we think of, of them skills. as our three streams of programming, but also the three sets of skills that we believe are essential for good leadership communication in the future and today. And when we concluded this D these decisions about how inspirational leadership is evolving and these what we call these three streams, 
one of the things I know we worked really hard on was building a visual that showcases the skills that, that we believe are important in all these. So I'll include a link to that in the show notes for anyone listening if you want to see this visually represented. And just give me the Coles notes. How would you describe each of them? <laughs> the first is reflection. This skill set is about developing self-awareness so that you know who you are and what you want to put out into the world as a leader. Without that self-awareness, you cannot be intentional in your leadership communication. So that's what we call our reflection stream of programming. And the skill set there is really about understanding yourself and the impact that that has on other people. The second stream is connection. And this is all about building relationships and relationships in the broadest possible sense. So everything from the relationship with an important stakeholder to the way you build your team, to the way that you include people in the organization and draw people in as a leader, any kind of communication where your goal is to forge those connections with others would fall into this category. And I think this is so important. You think about organizations in what they call matrix structures where teams form and then break apart, mm-hmm. where sometimes you're the leader, sometimes you're the follower. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're rarely, you know, where authority is increasingly based on the right to lead, not the not the mantle. Yes. This ability to bring people together quickly and mm-hmm. is increasingly important. Yeah, and to your point earlier about um, who is leading, people at all levels now need to lead through influence rather than leading through hierarchy or leading through structure. And the agile organization is the best mm-hmm. example of that. And connection and being able to communicate in a way that fosters connection is a crucial skill there for everyone. So reflection and connection and then persuasion. And here's all of the typical Humphrey Group content. I don't see a world where persuasion won't be important coming anytime soon. We all have to be able to communicate our ideas in a way that makes them resonate with other people and helps us drive their behavior and drive their action. And that's what that persuasion stream of programming and skill set is all about. Yeah, and I think that remains fundamental. How how and where that persuasion takes place is going to evolve. <laughs> and, continue, and it is evolving. Mm-hmm. But we, we see in talking with our clients and looking at what they need, that remains fundamental. Yeah. And I mean, the other way of thinking of these three skill sets is that they build on one another So self-awareness is necessary to connect with people and self-awareness and the ability to connect are necessary to be able to persuade. So they're like interlocking blocks that take you up to that higher goal, which is always to inspire. Yeah, and I I, I think it's really interesting to see how the world is evolving. You know, in my 20 years in this business, uh, in such rapid but exciting ways. I mean, I think if you're, you know, if you're listening to this, you know, first of all, the fact that you're able to consume this content via podcast is brand new. The fact that you're th- you're probably thinking about leadership, you're thinking about inspiration. Like 20 years ago, no one was thinking about that except people in the C-suite. Mm-hmm. And so that we have everyone, you know, engaged in this process of leadership now and thinking that I don't have to be a corporate person, I can do that in a way that's my genuine, really merge my, my values with my life. Like this is, this is really cool. Yeah, it is. And it, it really is unprecedented. Now people are talking about work-life harmony. Right, you know, like yeah, forget balance. Even forget balance, but these are integrated pieces of yes. the whole person and they have to exist in harmony. Work and life are 
parts of the whole self and they have to exist in harmony because they do exist at the same time all the time anyway, even if they're not in harmony. So how do we get them in harmony? Mm -hmm. Um, And that requires us to do some inner work looking at ourselves uh, as well as looking at how we inspire other people. Yeah, and I think that's that's as we wrap up this conversation, what I'd leave anyone listening uh, with is the idea that it's no longer enough to just have a clear message and well-structured argument and deliver it with presence. Like that's, that's important. But unless you know what you stand for, unless you know what you're passionate about, it's going to ring hollow. And so you have to start from that place of saying, you know, how do, what do I want to lead? How do I want to inspire? What am I inspired by? And do that self-work first. And then know that sometimes your, your job is going to be to bring people together uh, and earn the right to have them rally to you. So, Margo, this, I'm sure people listening can tell this evolution of what leadership and communication and our work has been has been tremendously exciting. You know, when I joined, I was like, okay, I hope speechwriting evolves because it's killing me. <laughs> so it did. But then I frankly could never have seen any of this coming, and I'm, I'm hugely energized by it. So, so let's turn to the implications for people listening because people tune into this podcast uh, because they like the stories, but also because they want to improve their ability to inspire. What would be your parting thought for those listening? My parting thought for anyone listening would be that these are skills you can develop. So I think we hear things like self-awareness or emotional intelligence or storytelling or the ability to connect with people, and we think it's something that you are. If you are those things, you're very lucky if you are self-aware or if you are a good storyteller. I would disagree with that 100%. These are things that good leaders do. And anything that we do can be taught and improved. So it absolutely is a skill that you can build. You can build your ability to self-reflect. You can build your ability to connect with people. And just as you can build your ability to persuade. Yeah, and I, and I agree. That's that's always been at the heart of what we've done, which is it's skill development. That the people who are naturally good have worked unnaturally hard to get that way. And I think what we what we're seeing now is the skills have broadened. You know, the demands are higher, uh, but who can lead is so much broader. And to me, that means if you're listening, you have the opportunity to lead and to inspire. And hopefully, this podcast is part of how you're developing those skills. You know, we, we really view it as our purpose at the Humphrey Group to help people develop the skills they need to inspire, whether you're a client or not. Just by, That's why I, I do this podcast, because it's fun for me to learn and fun to share what I'm learning with those listening. So, yeah, thanks for coming on. And actually, I feel like this is the first time I've been quasi-interviewed on my own podcast. <laughs> so that's, that's fun to have the tables turned. And thank you for sharing this journey with me about how leadership and inspiration is evolving. My pleasure. Thanks for the conversation, Bart. Hope you enjoyed my conversation with Margot, her interview, quasi-interview of me. It's insight into what we talk about at the Humphrey Group, and you can hear how excited we are about embracing the opportunity to help people shape the inspiration that they do every time they communicate. I'll see you in two weeks for another episode.